Come on, yeah, this is good. Listen, we are in, so August is nearly over. It's gone quick, right? Anyone think August has gone kind of quick? I feel like, whoa, summer, summer didn't really happen, if I'm being honest, did it? It's kind of just been like a monsoon and then a bit of sun and then like a bit more rain. But it's good. We're at the end of August and we were um, in a series uh, right at the beginning of August. You remember we started a series uh, which we call What Are You Carrying? And if you remember, um, there it is. I brought on that cross and then a few weeks ago, Carla um, came and kind of brought a suitcase and shared brilliantly with Tino about that. And then last week, wow, the youth. We went like kind of off-road with the youth and just let them have the mic. Wasn't that good? Anyone enjoy the youth last week? Come on, that was fantastic. They nailed it. And uh, Nathan, Ben, and, and the worship. Nathan, Ben, come on, preachers, right? We've got some young preachers here, and there's many more to come. So I'm excited for the future of the youth, because I think there's so much more to come with that. Um, but yeah, so now we're into the final week of, of the What Are You Carrying series before we head into September. Um, and I just want to quickly recap, if that's okay, um, kind of the things that we did look, look at. Right in that first week, I mentioned about that in life we can carry stuff, right? We, we can carry all kinds of different things, and things just get on us, and we, without realizing it, we start to feel heavy, and we start to feel frustrated, and we start to feel annoyed, and all these things can come out of us, but we looked at what Jesus said we should carry, and we looked at Matthew 11, didn't we? Matthew 11, 28 to 29, that very well-known verse, where he says that we should come to him, all who are weary and burdened, and he will give us rest. Come on, that, that word is good for us, right? Anyone enjoy rest? Come on, I hope you've not just like heard that that week and then cracked up. We've we got to continually be in that rest, that place with God. But he says, take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. So we learned about that yoke that we take upon him, that yoke of relationship that we have in Christ. But then we also looked at Matthew 16, 24, which is the cross that I picked up, which, which I built and, and written on there, which Jesus said that we should take up our cross and follow him. As disciples, we need to take up our cross. So we need to learn that actually in Christ, we're not to take up certain things. You know what I mentioned, didn't I, about worry, overthinking, fear, all these things that can get on us and cripple us from life. But actually, Christ never said, take these things, walk in your life. If you want to be my disciple, take up your worry and follow me. Take up your fear and follow me. He never said any of that, did he? He said, take up my cross and follow, take up your cross and follow me. And that cross is a cross of sacrificial living, a life devoted to God, a life that says, actually, God, I just want to follow your ways. And what's miraculous about that is as we lose our life, we find our life. The whole time we want to try and find our life in the world, we actually lose ourselves. Anyone else been there where you, you dig, dig, dig in the world and you're thinking, this will give me pleasure, this will be good, and then you're left the next morning, especially the things I used to do, and you're thinking, God, what happened there? And you think, that did not do me any good, you know, that did not do me any favors. But actually, when we lose ourselves to the kingdom, we start to realize who we are. And I, I, we unpacked all of this kind of stuff, and I won't go too far into it now, because today's message is really the one that kind of, I feel, was the one that I wanted to start this series on, but I wanted to end it on this one. But we also looked at what Carla said as well about carrying that guilt and shame. I thought that was great with the suitcase, you know, because we are often like that, innit? Carrying all this baggage and we come with loads of baggage. Don't you love that God is not, like, concerned about our baggage? You know, I love that. Like, some people, when you're around them and they've got baggage, people just shun you off, don't they? Like, oh, it's baggage, got too much gear. But God's not like that. God loves us and he wants to help us with the baggage and remove us. And when I came to God, I, honestly, I, the way Carla was with all those bags, I think I would have had a whole, like, my baggage would have been like 
Terminal 3 at Heathrow. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm coming, God. He must have thought, oh, no, we've got one here. He's dead. Maybe we do change. No, no, he didn't change his mind on me. He, he came. He let me come. But, you know, we all have got different amounts of baggage, right? We've all got amounts of baggage. Mine was massive, but yet God still came and let me come to him. And he came to me, and he helped me get free from the baggage of all the nonsense that I seem, we seem to carry. But this week, I'm just going to start by reading a scripture, then I'm going to introduce... Um, the, 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 the title of the message. So we're going to look at Ephesians 5, 8 to 14. And it says this, Paul speaking to the church in Ephesus. And just to give a bit of background with this, in, in, in Ephesus and a lot of these places, bear in mind, just to, just to teach you a little bit around this right now, these places were Gentile places. So they weren't Jewish in origin, they were Gentile. So they were very much um, worldly places. So they didn't have a lot of mor- morality, let's say that. So when he entered into these places, um, Things like lust, things like uh, sexual idolatry and all these kind of mad stuff. Very normal. Very, very normal. So you could imagine when Paul entered in, how different the gospel was to what they were living in. It was so different spectrums of the world, you know. So when he's speaking to the church of Ephesus that are now saved, this is what he says to them. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It's shameful even to talk about these things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. Love this. I love it. The light makes everything visible. So this week, this is probably the one that I'm like, oh, this is going to be a, oh, a tough subject to, to hit on. But I think sometimes we've not got, we've got to be not afraid to hit things, right, as a church. We, go, we want to go deep. And we want to say, actually, God, is there anything in my life? And so this thing, this, today I want to speak about things that we carry in the darkness. Things that we carry in the darkness. So I'm going to share a little vision that I had when I was first saved, and we're going to start to unpack this thought that I've got here. I remember being in my bedroom back in the House of Trousers. For those who know, know, Ray Mills is here. Yep, well done, Ray. Um, we, we lived in a house, and it was just all boys in the house. We were all Christians. It was great. It was, uh, it was the time of my life, to be honest with you. Um, but you know what? We, we just all encouraged each other. We were pressing into God all the time. It was fantastic. And I remember being in my room, and I remember um, just there was a day when I was just praying, and I remember having this incredible vision of, of like that I was stood under the light in my room. And the light was so bright. But then as I looked out into the outer part of the room, it was dark. And there was obstacles and things that wanted to trip me up. And I just felt like God showed me how important it was to be in his light. Because if you start venturing away from the light, you find yourself drifting into dark places. And in the dark places is where the enemy wants to trip you up. Because who knows, when it's dark, it's harder to see, right? And if you put obstacles where there's light, it's pretty easy to get around them. So where, do we, where is the enemy going to put obstacles? Where's the enemy going to want to trip you up? In the dark places, where you're kind of drifting around and, 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 and easily able to be tripped up. Do you know why he wants you fallen? Because he's fallen. The enemy himself was fallen from heaven. He's fallen from the presence of God. So his main agenda is to try and get you to fall. And this is really passionate on my heart because I feel like, actually, I want to be so in the light that I'm transparent in everything I do. That there's nothing hidden. That actually, 
God. What you see here on stage is what my kids see at home and what my wife sees at home. There's nothing different about me. And I think that's really, really important because when you live in God's light, that's not a one-time thing or a Sunday morning thing. It's a a seven-day-a-week thing. And it's a continual that we walk in his light. Amen? See, James 4 um, says this. James 4, 7 to 10, you'll be familiar with the scripture. And it's talking about our relationship with God and actually how we shouldn't play with two different things. Um, And actually, when James speaks, I don't know if you read the book of James, that can be quite harsh. You think, oh, James has got like, he's stern the way he speaks. I don't know if I'd have liked being around James, if I'm being honest. But it's the word of God, so I like it. So we're going to look at it. It says this, James 4, 7 to 10. Humble yourselves before God. I love that. Let's pause there for a minute. Because remember what we looked at last time with 1 Peter? What did it begin with? If we're going to cast our cares onto God, what do we have to do initially? 1 Peter 5, 6. We have to humble ourselves. Everything with God starts with first humbling ourselves. Realizing we can't do it. So it goes on. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Then this is the bit where he starts going, Whoo, wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts. You're like, at this point, you probably close the Bible and think, oh, that's a bit much. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. See, we can't live both in the darkness and in the light. It's not possible. You can't, on Sundays, live in the light, come close to God, and then the rest of the week, play with the darkness over here and dwell in it and and sit in all the mess that often the world is offering us. We can't do those things. You're either one or the other, right? Otherwise, we're double-minded. And the Bible even says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. We're either here and here, and we don't know who we are from one day to the next because we're playing in the dark, and then we're playing in the light. And who knows, when you go into a room that's dark and you turn the light on, there's either light or dark. The light expels the darkness. You can't have the both playing with each other. We're either one or the other. And so as children of God, I feel really encouraged that we should not be playing with the enemy in darkness on some days and then coming to God on other days in the light. And this isn't a rebuke message. This is a message in love because I think God wants to set people free from stuff that is holding you in darkness. You know, we all have it. We have things we're ashamed of. Things we just, oh, that's all right, don't worry about that. I'll, I'll just pretend I never did it. But actually, God wants you to expose it. He wants to show it, his light on it, so that you're no longer held captive by it, but you're able to walk free from it. Amen? And so when we have these dark areas of our life, and maybe, you know, right now there's things in your own mind where you think, oh, yeah, I'm never going to talk about that. I'm never going to let that become part of it. And it's okay, because God knows it. And you know, this isn't like, a, like come and stand on the stage and reveal all your things that you've ever done wrong. This isn't that moment. This is a moment between you and God where actually I think God wants to shine his light in areas of your life where maybe for too long you've been sat holding things that you know you shouldn't be holding anymore, playing with things you know are more damaging than they are good. So the first thing I think, I've got three points that I want to look at when it comes to this message is don't cover up, expose it, and walk free. Don't cover up, expose it, and walk free. When it comes to addicts and things like this, the very first thing that they have to do is acknowledge they've got a problem. I know that because I was an addict. Was, not am, was. 
Um, and the reality is, when you're an addict, the first thing most addicts will say is, no, I ain't got a problem. And you can't help someone when they don't accept they've got a problem. You can't tell someone that they're an addict unless they understand that they've got a problem. Then you can help them. And so the reality of all of the, what I'm trying to say is that actually we can be in denial about the things we've experienced. We can deny that that ever happened and pretend, no, I just sit in darkness, pretend I'm just going to keep moving this way. But it doesn't help you because once things are hidden in darkness, hidden in secret, the enemy's got you and he'll keep tripping you up and keep making you fall over because actually rather than light being shining on it, we're pretending it never happened and it's sitting in a dark place. So the very first thing we have to do, just like an addict, we have to come to a place where we realize actually... Yeah, there is a problem there that I need to bring to God's attention and say, God, I need your light to shine on this situation. Right? Do you know when we look at covering up, there's a classic couple, and you'll probably all know this, in Genesis, Genesis 3, 7 and 10. Humanity's very good at covering stuff up. And we get it from the very first of humans. So it says this in Genesis 3, 7 to 10. At that moment, so this is Adam and Eve, their eyes were opened. So what happened here? God said, don't do this. They did it. Who's ever done that? God said, don't do this. And you go, oh, wow, it'll be all right. And then you do it. And you're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that, God. Why did I do that? And you're kind of in this thing with God, like, why did I do it? And he's like, I told you not to do it. And you're like, oh, no, but I wanted to do it. And it's like, you know, we have this kind of thing, don't we? And that's okay because you know what? It comes from the very genetics that we're built with because Adam and Eve did it. But what I like is the way in which they kind of ventured on this journey. It says this. At the moment, their eyes were opened. So the minute they did it, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. They were aware of themselves. They felt that shame. Oh, self-awareness. Look at me. Oh, my goodness. Uh, uh, no longer on God. Eyes are on myself. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. What did they do? They covered themselves. They're trying to cover up what had happened. When the cool of the evening breeze was blown, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the, man, to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. The very first thing they did was cover themselves and hide from God. The very first thing they did when they disobeyed was cover themselves and hide from God. How many times have you had to try covering stuff up? I can't count how many times as a kid I was covering up the chaos that I caused. Like, always trying to think, no, that won't me, and just getting my way out of it. And I was really good at it. I was brilliant. I was the best at covering stuff up. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure Adam and Eve would have been proud of me. Like, that's my boy, they would have said, in their fallen state. Um, but you know what? I was great at it. I was really good at covering things up. I was always mucking up or making wrong decisions. And then in that, thinking, no, I'll just, if I do that, I'll do that, and let's be all right, I'll cover it up. And we're really good at that as human beings. And often what we want to do with the things that we get wrong in darkness, we just cover them up, don't we? We cover up, pretend it hasn't happened. But actually, what happens is behavioral patterns start to manifest in a weird way because actually you've not dealt with the issue. And what starts to manifest is certain behavioral patterns in your life. That's where addictions and things like this start to manifest because actually there's something deeper in a root form that's not been dealt with. And what's manifesting now in, in your life is all these kind of, kind of quirks and things like that. But we're not called to cover stuff up like that. Adam and Eve weren't called to cover up what they did. They were called to be obedient to God. And obedience to God is so much more important when we're getting things wrong, is not to cover them up, but it's to come to God. 
John 1, 4 to 5 says this about Jesus. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. I love that. We're never called to cover stuff up in darkness. We're called to allow the light of God to shine and expose things for what they are. Not to condemn us and make us feel bad, but expose them so we're aware, actually, this isn't meant to be a part of my life. But we're so good at leaving it over there and closing the door and pretending it never happened or just never dealing with it or keeping it a secret, never talking to someone about it. But actually, behind closed doors, what's manifesting is addictions. Maybe it's a porn addiction. Maybe it's a lustful addiction. Maybe it's a a substance misuse addiction. Maybe it's an eating addiction. When you close the door, no one knows, and it's all you just eating. And actually, in the darkness of your life, you're not dealing with something. And actually, you're carrying stuff that God's not asking you to carry. He wants you free from it, but instead of bringing it to the light, you sit with it in darkness. And the enemy loves it because he wants you there, because it's holding you captive. But I believe this morning, God wants to set you free by just shining his light on a situation, a circumstance that maybe many years ago you just haven't dealt with. That in a moment, it can be brought into the, to the love of God, to the light of God, and you can be set free. I believe that with all my heart. There's an analogy I want to show on the, on the screen, if that's all right. Um, I won't play it. It will pop up there, but... The reality is, I love photography. For those that know, know that I, I, I'm, a, I'm a massive... Uh, if we pause the video a minute, if that's all right. Can we pause? Can we pause? Can we pause? Bring it back. Bring it back. Yeah, there we go. Cool. Right. Kind of revealed a little bit of it. But in photography, those that know, a, a photo that's not been exposed properly is not a very good photo. It will just be very dark It won't reveal very much. You might see a little bit of something, but it's not a good photo. If you paid for someone to take your photos and they all came back black with a little outline, you'd be disappointed, right? You'd be like, what's this? And I'd be like, it was being creative, wasn't I? But really, I got it all wrong. Um, That was my way of getting out, and then I'd run. Now, yeah, cover up. There we go. Adam and Eve, be proud. Told you. Um, Right, move on. So basically, what we have in photography when when we're taking pictures is correct exposure is so important. That actually, when something is too dark, when we bump the exposure up, just pause, just pause there a minute. Actually, go right back, sorry, back to the dark photo. I want to I just talk just a minute. That actually, if you was to get a photo like this, you'd be confused. And our life is often like this. Our life is often this picture of a little bit of things hidden, a little bit of darkness all around us. But actually, all God wants to do, not to shame you, but just to make you aware, actually, you don't need to carry this stuff anymore is he just wants to bring the exposure up on your life, to bring light into your life. And as we bump that exposure thing up, just as you've seen there, what happens is God starts to reveal in a really loving, gentle, kind way that actually you're carrying a lot of rubbish, you're carrying a lot of junk from a former way of living, that actually you don't need to carry this anymore. In fact, the Bible says that you're a new creation in Christ. The old has gone and the new has come. But what the enemy wants to do is hold you in a place of darkness so that you think you're still caught in that dark place where you're holding on to all the regrets, all the pains, all the things you got wrong, even as a Christian. But God gently brings you to his light. And as you start going closer to his light, you realize, I don't need this rubbish in me. You start to see it for what it is. You start to realize that, whoa, there's junk all in my life that I don't need to have anymore. And what we can do is what we said before, cast it onto Christ. 
Let him take it all. Because it isn't your portion to carry rubbish like this. But the enemy loves it. Because if he can get you to carry this, you ain't carrying this. Right? That's the reality. If, if the enemy can hold you in darkness carrying rubbish, you're nothing more than a spiritual dustman. Nothing wrong with a dustman at all. But God wants you to be a spiritual kingdom warrior. But instead, we lower ourselves to be these carriers of rubbish. Come on, today we're going to set you, God's going to set you free from carrying rubbish, from carrying junk that's not your portion. And as I said this, it's not a, it's not a condemning. It's not a um, judgment as such of, oh, look what you've done wrong. It's never meant to be like this. And often a lot of these kind of manifestations that are in our life, as I said, there's a root behind them all. And I believe today we're going to get to that. So the first thing we need to do is not cover it up anymore. Expose it. And that exposure isn't like, come on, form a line, I'm going to expose you. It's not this, shaming you in front of everyone. It's you going to God and saying, God, I got it wrong. Can, you, can, can your love just set me free? Can I lay it at your cross? Can I just walk away from it? Because in that moment, it's done. You no longer have to pick it up again and you walk free. You pick up the cross and you follow him. The second point I want to say is this, because this is crucial. Don't be condemned, but be convicted by the Holy Spirit. Condemned means to be sentenced to death. It means to be um, a sentence of punishment. Who here has ever felt condemnation, right? Many of you here. Not many. Wow. It's just me. Wow. Okay. A few. Yeah. Like, don't be afraid. Put your hand up. We, condemnation is, is something that you often feel in this world. You know, just feeling like, yeah, you're not good enough, right? You, you, you're terrible. You're written off. You're done, said every teacher to me. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's ridiculous. It's just that whole feeling of being condemned. Like, I'm not good. At, there's no hope. There's no way out. That's not what God wants to do when he's shining his light on you. John 16, verse 8 says this. When he comes, he will convict. This is the Holy Spirit. He will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. I love that. It's not just convicting you of sin but, and his righteousness. He convicts you in a way where you realize, because the word convict actually is elanco, and it means to rebuke, expose, refute, convince, and convict. He convinces you, I shouldn't do this anymore. I shouldn't do this anymore. Do you know when I, used to, I, when I first got saved, and you know, most of you will know my story, but cigarettes, um, after about three months being saved, I was still smoking cigarettes. And it was April the 4th, I want to say, when I got baptized. And I remember this very real, convincing, Holy Spirit moment where cigarette went to the mouth, and I looked at it and was like, what are you doing? This, like, voice was just like, why are you doing what you, like, and it just seemed so weird. Smoke is coming out my mouth. Smoke is, and I was like, this is weird. It was almost like I just never saw it like this. And in that moment, I was convicted. This isn't your best. This isn't God's best for you. Why are you doing it? Not in, a, not in a harsh way, like, what are you doing? It was, this isn't, God's got more for you than this. You're destroying yourself. And in that moment, I just thought, whoa. And that was the start of it. And then I went to the baptism, and I had the 20 Benson and Edges in my pocket back in the day when it was a golden packet. And I had it in my, pa- in my pocket still. And I remember going into the, not when I went in the water, I took it out when I went in the water, but I went to the baptism, and I went down in the water and I came up and I knew in that moment I never needed to smoke again. And it was gone. It was dealt with. It was done. Rubbish cleared off. And, and, and it starts with conviction. 
of the Holy Spirit in our life. And the only way we can be convicted is if we allow our lives to be drawn to his light and expose the darkness so that we can feel the conviction of, actually, yeah, Lord, I shouldn't be doing this anymore. But do you know what? In that very moment, when the Holy Spirit brings conviction, the enemy's sneaky because he'll instantly bring condemnation. He'll try to get in the back door and say, oh, you got it wrong. And that voice starts coming in and starts making you feel really bad for what you've done and, and starts breaking you and starts making you feel, actually, yeah, I failed. I've got it wrong. I, I'm never going to be able to be forgiven. Actually, that's what the enemy's job is to do. But we should never let our convictions turn to condemnation, ever. We need to stop it. The minute condemnation starts, we need to realize that's not God. God never came into the world to condemn the world. He came into the world to set it free, to set his captives free, to give life more abundantly. The enemy's job was what? To steal, kill, and destroy. His sole agenda, job description is that, to steal, kill, and destroy. So he'll do whatever he can to do that. So the minute the Holy Spirit convicts you because he's loving you, and wants you a better thing for you, wants you to grow deeper, wants you to realize how much there is in you, the minute you start to feel that conviction, the enemy is so sneaky, and he'll start to say, oh, yeah. But we need to realize, no, that's not my God's voice. And we need to learn to rebuke that voice, not listen to that voice, not allow it to set, not carry that voice with us. But we carry the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and then our job is simply this, to stand up, Say sorry and keep moving. 1 John 1 9 says, But if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. God's not into the job of condemning people, he's into the job of growing and growing people up and convicting them of what they've got wrong so that they can grow in better. Growing things to be better in what they do. Not for a purpose of condemnation, but for um, to grow his people to be stronger, to be a light, and just to be just better people. Does anyone want to be just a better person than God? I know I do. Every day I'm like, God, I just want to grow in you. I want to be better for you. But it can't be led by condemnation because condemnation will kill us. It will just put it all on us and make us feel we, we meant to do it. But actually, it's God's light that's meant to shine in us. It's not meant to be us doing it for ourselves. So the third thing that I'm going to talk about, so the first thing is we need to expose it. We need to expose these things in our lives so we're not carrying them anymore. We need to allow the conviction of the Holy Spirit to continually work in our lives. And then the third thing that's really important is this, that we need to learn to stay in the light. Stop playing with the darkness. Stop picking up things that you know God set you free from. That his word has said that you are set free. Stop going to them, running to them, thinking that actually they're going to give you something that God can't give you. That's what Adam and Eve did, right? They went to the tree of life thinking that they could get something that God wasn't giving them. But actually God had given them everything that they needed. And the enemy snuck in and said, oh, you, you, you're missing something. But actually don't be deceived about that. There's nothing in the darkness that can give you anything good. Stay in his light. Jesus said this in John 8, 8 verse 12. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Come on, if you follow Jesus, you won't have to walk in darkness because you'll have his light leading you in life. I want his light. Anyone else want his light leading you in life? When you turn up in your workplace, when you turn up in your home, when you turn up at friends' houses, wherever you turn up, schools, colleges, the light of life is with you. 
Come on. And what happens when the light shines? The darkness has to leave. So when you turn up, darkness is leaving all around you. Whether you can see it or not, you've got to know it. When you're walking down the street, you're ushering darkness away. When you stay in his light, when you walk in fellowship and relationship with him. The problem is, too often the enemy's deceitful and causes us to walk away and walk astray and start playing with the darkness. We're not called to play with it. We're called to expel it and expose it. Ephesians 5.8 says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light of the Lord. Walk as children of light. It's really simple. And often I love the things of God because I'm a simple person. I don't want to be complicated in things. Simply this, that we walk in his ways. And as we walk in his ways, his light will shine in us. And that light will affect everyone around us. Amen? There's a reason I say as I brought the plant, and I'm going to explain that in a minute, because I really, can I ask the worship team? I said, I want to keep this short today, and I really just want us to go out in this last series, just laying everything down, because I believe as we enter into September, it's a new academic year, right? And I believe it's a fresh start to say, actually, God, old things gone, new things are coming. And hey, maybe, maybe for, for many, many years, many years you've had a niggling thing that you've been holding on to in the darkness, it's something that you know has been there and you've not really talked to many people about it. It's something you're a little bit ashamed of. Maybe it's something that when you go home and behind closed doors, it's something you keep falling into in this cycle, this pattern, this, this way of living that actually you know it's not God's best for you. But today, I believe God will shine his light and set you free from it. That actually when you leave this place, you will not need to return to the way of darkness or playing with things in the dark, but instead... You allow God's light to shine on you where you'll go back and go, I no longer need to do those things. I no need to look at that on the internet because what it's given me is nothing compared to what God gives me in his light. I no need to go to that food cupboard and gratify myself so much because I'm actually so hurt on the inside. Instead, I'm going to go to his light and let his light shine in the darkness and cause that darkness to come alive. And then I'm going to walk in that freedom, that victory. Because there's nothing in the darkness that God can't offer you in his light. Do you know that? That his light is so full of good things. It's satisfying. It's so refreshing. But listen, the reason why I bought this plant, because there was a lady that once taught, and this, this was an amazing thing that she did when we, me and Pastor Stu actually were away um, at, at a kind of a course thing that we do with AOG. And she shared this picture, an analogy of a, of a plant. Um, I'm going to do my best to show it to you today and then we're going to pray together um, and just believe God to do what he does. But she said how often in life, our lives can look basically like these plants, you know, um, a little bit chaotic, a little bit crazy. And what we tend to try and do in life is self-manage. We just try to trim it down and we try to deal with all the behavioral issues and whether that's a, whether that's a, oh, I broke the plant, sorry about that. Uh, whether that's a, you know, an, an addiction of some kind and we just try to self-manage, no, I'm just going to keep control, I'm just going to stop doing that and, and actually maybe there's an eating disorder of some kind, I'm just going to, I'm just going to just make sure I don't do this and I'm going to self-manage it, I'm just going to keep doing it or, or whether there's anxiety for fear and all this, and I'm just going to self-manage it, I'm going to do all this thing to self-manage my life but actually what keeps coming back is the same patterns, the same behavioral problems the same issues keep flowing through and what she did was miraculous in this moment she said the reality is of your life that you can do nothing unless you're willing to look in the dirt of your life and deal with the roots that are going on deep within it because when you're able to look in the dark parts of your life and bring them into light you're able to see them for what they are and you're able to say God would you deal with that would you take that root of anger 
that root of rejection, that root of bitterness. Come on, I believe there's someone here that's struggling even now with a root of rejection in your life. That your life has been kind of outplayed because maybe as a child you were rejected by a parent. And your whole life now is manifested in this funny way where there's behavioral patterns just purely because you didn't allow or haven't allowed yet God's light to shine on some roots that are down there. But it's not too late. Right now in this moment, you can let God's light shine in the dirtiest, darkest parts of your life. And between you and God, you can say no more. And you can let his light and his love just fill you from the inside. And you can leave anything at the altar of God. And you can walk a new person. Amen. I'm just going to finish by reading this. Matthew 5, 14 to 16 says, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. See, church, you were called to be a city on a hill that shines for all the world to see. You weren't called to be dark things, hidden. You were called to be a light for the world. And as your light shines, people will be drawn to you. Because the light that's in you is the light from heaven. It's kingdom light. It's the light that everyone wants. It's the light that the world is seeking and doesn't even realize in it. But as children of God, we are called to live in that light. And what a blessing it is that we can, every day of our life, walk in his light without having to carry dark secrets, dark failures, past regrets, hurts, and all of that hidden deep within our lives that right now we can just cast it onto him. So why don't we just stand in this moment?